lovely song, isn't it? Let me just pray. Father, thank you. What is your name? Uh, thank you that you are the Lamb of God, came to save us, and because of Jesus, we can come to you now, just as who we are, simply because of Jesus. We have done nothing, Lord, and we sincerely thank you. May you bless this morning as we come to your word, speak to us, warm our hearts, stimulate our mind, that we can love Jesus more. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This morning we commence our new series of sermon for the next few weeks, all the way until end of April, overlapping uh, the Easter weekend. And we have decided to do this series called The Names of God. The names of God primarily from the Old Testament and only nine names. And today I just want to do a general big introduction on that. I want to begin by quoting you uh, a guy by the name of Richard Dawkins. Some of you may have read of this book called The God Delusion that he wrote sometime maybe 15, 16 or even 20 years ago. And in, he's not just an atheist, but he's actually a militant atheist, all right? Uh, some of his argument can be rather persuasive, right, if you have watched him or read his book before. And this is what he says about the God of the Old Testament. I've been practicing this, all right, because it's quite mouthful. Uh, I may not pronounce it correctly, but this is what he said. He said, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. A misogynistic, homophobic, Racist, infanticidal, genocidal, filicidal, pestilential, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. Some of the words I don't even know what it means. <laughs> I have to check up dictionary and I can't even know how to pronounce. Uh, now, if you worship this God that Richard Dawkins has described in his mind, then you will be the most miserable person on earth. I don't want to believe in God. I hope you don't as well. It will tear you and the people you care about apart. You better abandon this belief of God as quick as possible and don't even pay him lip service, if I may ask. It's not worth to worship this God. And so what we're going to do is look at the Old Testament and pick up nine names of God and let you see who God is. Because names are important to us, they often do more than just identifying an individual they can actually reveal who a person is. Just like when you name your children. I don't know how you come up with names, but a lot of people hoping that your children will reflect something of the name that you chose for them, isn't it? Uh, 
unless you are Elon Musk. Uh, his girlfriend gave birth in 2020 to a boy. And he gave him this name. That is his official name. I don't know how to pronounce that name. I tried to Google it for an explanation of the name. After I read through, I still don't understand. Um, that is the name. I don't know what he had in mind and what he projected into the sun to be. Maybe a techno crack or I don't know. But that is the name that he desired his son to be. But God reveals himself to us through many names in the Bible. Not a single name can describe all that God is. In fact, God uses each and every one of his names to reveal a different part of his character to us. And, uh, and please bear in mind as we go through this series that these names are given by God and not thought up by people. As, as much as we gave names to our children, we wish, we hope that your children will live up to something about that name. Um, but it is not like that. God's, these names are given by God himself, not thought up by people. And each, of, each name of God reveals one of his qualities or characteristics. And these names were given to God's people in order to help them through a moment of need. You're going to see that as we unpack it each week. It's a moment of need and God appears to them and reveals to them who he is. And it is our prayers that we will use these names when we call out to God in prayer. Because the name of God reminds us of who God is. And we have chosen nine. And in the bulletin, the monthly bulletin uh, that we sent out, we have listed all the sermon. And we have titled like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rofa, the Lord heals and all that. Nine of them. And Pastor Caroline has uh, pointed out to me that the word Jehovah is probably not the best pronunciation of God. It should be Yahweh. And she is going to tell us next week. When she pointed out to me, I said, you do it. <laughs> so be careful when you come to me and suggest something. I said, you do it. <laughs> no, I think she would explain better than, than I on technical things. And so we, what we're going to do this morning, what I'm going to do is our study today will focus on the actual phrase, name of the Lord. The actual phrase, name of the Lord. And I have three points for you, but before I do that, I want to explain to you the text that we have just read from Exodus chapter 3 on uh, the story of Moses. And we are familiar with this story about Moses raised by God to go to Egypt to deliver his people. And Moses a bit, while he's willing, but he's a bit apprehensive. I mean, quite, quite reasonable in a sense. But uh, he said, who should I tell them that sent me? And God simply said, I am. I am. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then the next, next question we have to ask ourselves, what does I am actually mean then? 
I am who I am. I am is the first person common singular of the verb to be. It will be used in any number of normal situations like I am your pastor, I am watching television, I am walking on the road, it is, I am his father. You know? But when it is used stand-alone description, just I am, it is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and the immediate eternal presence of the person. After all, he was not, I was, I will be, I am. So when you hear the word I am on its own, it's telling us self-existence, self-sufficiency, and the present, eternal, immediate presence of God. Because God's existence is not contingent upon anyone or anything else. I am, period. For example, if I want to, I'm a carpenter, I want to build a cupboard, I will need materials. I can't make a cupboard without materials. If I'm a seamstress, if I want to sew a dress or trousers or whatever, I need the materials. But God doesn't need materials. He is self-sufficient. He is self-existence. He is immediate, ever-present. His plans are not contingent or depend upon any circumstances or any want. He is, period. The Dutch theologian Herman Bavind says, God is independent, all-sufficient in himself, and the only source of all existence in life. And that is why theologian has described God as a creator called creation ex nihilo, isn't it? The Latin word, out of nothing. He creates things out of nothing, not out of something that we need to have in order to cook, to build, to, to whatever. But God's creation is, let there be light, and there is light. And so when God identified himself as I am who I am, he stated no matter when or where he is there, it is similar to the New Testament expression in Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was, who is, and who is to come. I am shows us not simply that God exists and self-sufficient, but also that He is near to His people. And especially in the context of Exodus chapter 3, I am is the one that sends me. There is the eternal presence with His people even in hardship. And so what I want to do this morning is very quickly touch on the phrase, name of God. What I want to do is to give you three points. The first point is that I want to help you to recognize recognition of His name, to recognize His name. What does the Word of God tell us about His name? Recognize His name. And then I will show you from Scripture what the Scripture tells us in terms of how should we respond to the name that we recognize now. And then finally is the result. What will happen when you recognize His name and then you respond to His name? What will be the result of it? So let me begin with the recognition of His name. 
and all taken from Scripture. Uh, so today, it's just purely just give you the Bible verses and read the Bible verses to you. Very little commentary, just as it is. Uh, don't worry about taking notes. I printed out the notes if you want. If those who want, I printed about 20 over copies. If you're interested, can just come and pick it up. The first one is recognition of his name. The Bible tells us a few things about his name. It says that his name is good. His name is great. His name is majestic. His name is glorious. His name is holy. And his name is near. So all those verses there directly tells you exactly uh, the, the, the word good appears, great appears, majestic appears, glorious appears, holy appears, and near appears in those verses. Let me give you an example. Psalms 52 verse 9, for example, you say, I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I will hope, for your name is good. God's name is good. And his name is great. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, in the context of God promising David that his line will continue, his kingdom will last forever, and even Jesus will come from that line of David. And he says this in uh, verse 25 and 26, Do as you promise, so that your name will be great forever. So his name is great. And then his name is majestic. Psalms 8 uh, verse 1, there are many songs that came out from that psalm that say, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Your name is majestic. Your name stands for all that he is. He's excellent. He's famous in the earth. There is no one else like him. He's omnipotent. He's incomparable. His name is majestic. And then he tells us that his name is glorious. I love Psalm 115. He said, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be glory. The word glory literally means heavy. It's just that when you honor someone, you lay weight on them. You lay weight on someone when you honor someone. It means heavy. It refers to the fact that God is weighty, awesome. So his name is glorious. And then number five, his name is holy. I mean, we pray the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Let your name be worshipped. Let your name be exalted, honoured, treasured, adored on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, this is our prayer. Hallowed be your name. May your name here on earth be, be adored by people, be treasured by people. And we are asking God so to move and act in the world that people around the globe will come to worship, will come to treasure, will come to live for Him above all else. And then lastly, on uh, recognition of His name, is that the Bible tells us that His name is also near. His name is near. Psalm 75 says, We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks. Why? For your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. I mean, this is one of the most incredible uh, features of who God is. God is near. His name is near. I mean, theologically, we often describe God as transcendental God, trans transcendent God and imminent God. That God is both a 
big, awesome, great, God, powerful, but God is also an imminent God in the Bible that He's near us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Uh, monotheism, religion, uh, Judaism, and Islam, they have this focus on God as a transcendental God. This awesome, great, powerful. But they don't have this concept of God is near, the imminent of God. They don't have Christmas in a sense. But God's name is near. He is high and holy, and yet amazingly, He is also close to us. My friend uh, who works in a mission organization, he sends out prayer letters uh, every so often. And during this Christmas, I received his prayer note. And this is what he said. He said, we trust this past Christmas and New Year season have been a time of joy and celebration. Remembering our Savior coming to earth, sharing our humanity while also remaining divine to make our salvation possible. Wow, he said, that's an amazing gift. Can I repeat that again? Remembering our Savior coming to earth, sharing our humanity, while also remain divine to make our salvation possible. Transcendental God, but it's also an imminent God coming to us. So those are the, what the scripture tells us about recognizing his name, good, great, majestic, glorious, holy, near. And now I want to move on. Now that we know this name, what does the Bible tell us in terms of how should we respond to his name, which is good and great and, and awesome and holy and all that? How should we respond? Uh, six of them, again, the scripture tells us we are to praise his name. We are to honor his name. We are to call on his name. We are to proclaim His name. We are to trust His name. We are to love His name. And those scriptures that attach to it specifically tells us that how should we how we should respond to His name. Praise His name is the probably very common one that we sing, we worship, we praise. Uh, the Bible verses there, Psalm seven, for example, says, "I will give thanks to the Lord because of His righteousness, and I will sing praise." To the name of the Lord Most High. Psalms 113, you know, we know this song. From the rising of the sun to the going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. So we praise His name. Another one is the story of Jake, uh, Job. When he lost everything, what did he do? He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Good time, hard time, bad time, whatever, we praise the Lord. Knowing that He's sovereign, He's in charge, praise the Lord. And then, it also tells us to honor His name. In the Ten Commandments, it says, isn't it? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So never swear in the name of Jesus. I know people, it's a common name people use to swear. I used to play a lot of badminton and, and one of the guys always do that. Miss a shot, swear. 
you know, means the word swear. I often look at him, I say, hey, you know, he's a good guy, you know, don't swear at him, you know, he's God. Um, and call on his name, we are to call on his name. Genesis 4 says, at that time, man began to call on the name of the Lord. When was the last time you called on the name of God? When was the last time you actually look at God's name and you repeat God's name to Him? God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our provider. God, you are Jehovah Rophia. Yahweh Rophia. You are God who heals. Call on His name. And then proclaim his name. The Bible tells us we are to proclaim his name. Deuteronomy says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. And once we experience his goodness in our life, then we're going to proclaim his name. Tell people of who, who God is. Trust his name. Trust his name. The more you know about his name, the more you know about his character, the more you want to respond by trusting him. Isaiah 50 says, Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Meaning to say, when your way are so dark, you don't know, you can't see what is ahead of you, trust in the name of God. And some of us, we go through this kind of situation, we need to be reminded again to trust in the Lord, even when in a very dark situation where you can't see as the words often say isn't it when you can't uh, trace God's hand you trust God's heart when you can't trace his hand in your life you trust God's heart know who God is he can be trusted he's a good God he knows what's best and lastly love his name Love his name. Isaiah 56 says, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him. So those are what scripture tells us when we recognize his name is good and great, when we respond by praising him, honor him, call, proclaim, trust and love. And then the third thing that I want to show you is what are the results of recognizing his name and when we respond to his name in the way that the scripture tells us to respond. What then will be the result when we actually do that? I have 10 of them. 10 of them. The Bible tells us that your hope will grow. When you respond to God's name in a way that has been instructed by scripture, your hope will grow. Psalms 52 say, I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name, I will hope. Because when you know God's name, it tells you who he is. And when you know who he is, you can hope. And your hope is not maybe. Bible description of hope is not maybe. The word in hope in the Bible is certainty. Certainty. I remember many years ago in Singapore, uh, that in 1986, there was an evangelistic crusade the whole country involved in. Nowadays, we don't do that. But those days, it's a bit united. One, one event, whole churches in the countries involved in. And the advertisement is only three words. There is hope. Everywhere, in the bus, in the train station, 
everywhere. There is hope, and then the details. So when we uh, respond to God's name, your hope will grow because your hope begins to focus on God. Number two, your joy will increase. Your joy will increase. Psalms 5 say, Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Your joy will increase when you know who God is, because the name reveals who God is to us. And then number three, your worship will deepen. The more you know who God is by responding to His name, knowing His name, your worship will deepen. And many of us Christians, as we run, the longer race we run, we lost sight of that. Our passion dwindled. Just like married couple. It's so easy to fall in love. It's even easier to fall out of love. The difficult part is to stay in love. And Christianity is the same. Many people begin the race very well. But there is some strange phenomena about middle-aged life that you go astray. But thank God, many return back as they age. Many return back. Your worship will deepen. The more you know about God, the more you know His character, your worship of Him will deepen. Nehemiah says this, Nehemiah said, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success. His worship deepened when he revered God's name because God's name revealed to him who God is. And if you know the story of Nehemiah, whatever he knows about God, it came true. That he knew God is a provider. God provides for him. He asked God to protect him. God protected him. And he was able to build the wall so that people can worship safely under the uh, Assyrian, uh, no, uh, Persian Empire when the king allowed the Jewish people to return back to their land. The worship deepened. And then when you uh, recognize and respond to his name, uh, your, you will be fully satisfied. You know, as you age, as you have more and more things in life, lesser and less things satisfy. Lesser and lesser things satisfy. You can buy all you want, you buy all your best toys, it will only satisfy for a little while. I always remember Imjai. Where are you, Imjai? I always remember Imjai, this story, when he was looking for his Lexus many years ago. I always ask him, how's your Lexus? When he got his Lexus, how's your Lexus? And he told me very profound, insightful words. He said, the fun and the joy is in looking for it. <laughs> I mean, it's insightful. I think it's quite true. When somehow you get it, the diminishing returns kicks in. Somehow in life, you know. And the thrill and the joy sometimes is also planning for your trip in a sense. 
And then when you return with thousands of photos, you don't even look at it. But here, when we respond to God's name, as St. Augustine used to say, isn't it? There's this huge, big vacuum in your heart that God has this vacuum shape that can fit in, like a jigsaw puzzle, can fit in. Other things can't fit in properly, but only God can fit into that specific spot that we will be satisfied and that is why things that man make, usually you get sick of it. But when it's God's made, you can buy a house in front of a sea. You never get, get tired looking at sunset and sun, sunrises and sunset. You never get tired of that. Because it's God's made, it's not man-made. Anything man-made, you will, you, will, you will get tired of it. And fifthly, you experience power. You experience power when we revere God's name, when we respond to God's name, increasingly know who God is, we will experience power in our life. Jeremiah said, No one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. This morning at prayer meeting at 8 a.m. through Zoom, first service have their prayer meeting at 8 o'clock through Zoom, and the second service they have a prayer meeting at 9.30 upstairs. Join us. Physical 9.30 9.30 upstairs, second service, 8 a.m. service, uh, 9 o'clock service through Zoom. And uh, this morning I share from 1 Samuel 17, as we commence the year, uh, about the story of David and Goliath. We know the story very well, but David say, I'm going to win this battle because, you say, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And that is why I'm going to bring you down. Because I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And I think it brings so much tremendous encouragement to me as a pastor. Sometimes my responsibility and my concern are so overwhelming in my own. Sometimes I made up myself. We, we are our own enemies after all. Uh, you place so much pressure on yourself uh, when you recognize who God is. And then you realize, hey God, this is your battle. We are only your vessel. This is your church. This is your battle. This is your work. And power can come in when you recognize that God is the one. We come in the name of God. You experience power when we begin to recognize and be reminded again and again of who God is through His name. And then you will become wiser. Micah verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 9 says, To fear your name is wisdom. We know this verse from Psalms and Proverbs as well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You will become wiser when you know the name of God. The Bible always says to be wise, never say to be smart or clever or intelligent. It's always be wise. Because clever people, when you fall into trouble, you can find a way out. But wise people, they won't fall into trouble because they consider the consequences. They think ahead. They become wiser. We make many mistakes uh, in life, but God's grace is abounding. And you will, you will receive help. When we recognize God's name, we pray against that again, His name. Lord, you are provider. Lord, you are our peace. You will receive help 
from God. And many prayers in the Old Testament are like that, reminding God, God, you are what you say you are. Psalms 124 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Don't call on to God only when you run out of every resources that you can think of. That should always be the first person to go to. You will receive help. Number eight, you will be protected. You will be protected. There are so many break-in nowadays, isn't it? Uh, even the news show about that doctors, the skin specialists that live in Box Hill was killed, murdered. Uh, we ask God for protection. Pray for protection for children, for your family, for your children, especially protection not just in terms of physical, also about mental. There's so much information out there. There are so many young people are exposed to so many things that's beyond their emotional capacity to cope. And that is why mental problems are constantly on the rise because we just don't have the ability to digest all the information that we have. So much information and so little insight. And we need to guide, we need to protect and ask God to protect. Not all information are necessary to have. And so Psalms 91 is a beautiful psalm. It says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him. I will honor him. Pray for protection. May God protect us. Proverbs 18, song, children's Sunday school song. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. The name of the Lord. Remember the song? It's a strong and mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Number nine, you will be granted forgiveness. You'll be granted forgiveness. Many, many people carry your guilt with you all throughout your life without experiencing the forgiveness of God. Can you imagine carrying 20 kilograms of potato sack everywhere you go? Everywhere you go, go to toilet, go to school, go to workplace, you carry 20 kilograms of potatoes with you. And there are many people in life that have never experienced the forgiveness of God and carry upon them the guilt all through their lives and live in fear. But when you know the name of God, when you claim upon His promises, you know that God forgives you. Psalms 25 says, For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Psalm 79, Help us, O God, our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. In Psalm 103, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. When we respond to his name, we experience forgiveness. And forgiveness is very liberating. And finally, my final point is you will be saved. You will be saved. When we respond to God's name, we are saved. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Say, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The question is, are you saved today? Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Call on his name. And so over this uh, next couple of weeks and months, we are going to tackle one name at a time. And our prayer is not just educate in terms of the study, but also truly that we know God better and call on the name of the Lord in response to the name that we know. And know that God is, His character is being displayed in His name. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that ultimately you came to us, the ultimate expression of God to us in person, in the person of Jesus Christ that we celebrate every Christmas. We thank you that you are God, you are a person. You are not just a force or a power. You are a person. And Jesus put that face on God and make it known to us. That if any one of us do not know this God, they should just begin by reading the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And know who God is coming to us in person. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your name. Thank you for telling us that your name is good. Your name is great. Your name is majestic, glorious, holy, and near. And we are to praise your name. We are to honor your name, call on your name, proclaim your name, trust your name, and love your name. And when we recognize your name, our hope will grow, our joy will increase, our worship will deepen. We will be satisfied. We will experience power. We will become wiser. We will receive help. We will be protected. We will receive forgiveness. And ultimately, finally, we will be safe. Thank you, Jesus. As we sing this final song, uh, Jesus' name above all names, we are reminded of the ultimate expression of who God is in the person of Christ. May we know Him. May we be set free. Amen.